Morning, Destiny Church. If you're in the lobby, you're welcome to come into the auditorium. Um, also, welcome to anybody watching online. We're glad to have you with us. Um, what a great day to celebrate Father's Day, isn't it? We get to be with the greatest father around, <laughs> our Heavenly Father. Um, and so what a great time to, to be celebrating with all of the fathers. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into it. So, God, I just thank you for this amazing day that we get to gather here this morning. And I just pray for everybody uh, viewing this or with us this morning that they, they receive what you have for this morning. That um, in every situation there's hope felt, and that in every situation there's peace felt, and that every single person will have a clear view of what you are as a father this morning. And thank you, Jesus. Amen. Jesus, how priceless, how 
Christ my Lord, now I'm raised to life forevermore. My name's been carved upon your heart. No, not death, no, not hell could ever rip us apart. Oh, oh, precious is the blood that makes me white as snow.
Love. 
something real practical, okay? Just like the song says, we're going to take a deep breath. It's very practical, but the weight of the world sometimes gets on your shoulders, and Jesus wants to take that weight. You give all your cares, all your worries to him. That's not your job. Your finances, your kids, whatever it is, that's not your job to worry about just like the song says, you lean back into his arms. You take a big, deep breath and you go, Jesus, I give it to you. It's not on me. So we're going to sing that chorus one more time. But first, let's take a deep breath. Go ahead, take a deep breath and let it out. Let's do it one more time. Just imagine all those things, all those worries, all those cares. Just give them to Jesus. One more time. Take a deep breath. Let's sing that chorus one more time.
I just thank you, Father, that when you created us, it was deliberate, and that when you created us, it was carefully. God, I just thank you that, that you see me, you see each one of us, and you've never left our side. And so God, I just, I, we just as a, a congregation and a viewership, we, we turn our eyes to you, a loving father with your arms wide open. Um, it doesn't matter where we've been in life, God, you always have your arms open. So God, we turn our focus to a loving father. We, we turn our focus away from our, our hurt and our pain, from our worry and our anxiety, and we turn our eyes to our provider. God, I thank you so much for everything you've provided for us throughout our life. And Lord, today we just, as a, as a group, we just thank you so much for being so much bigger than what we've been, bigger than what we've needed, and bigger than we've ever known. And so, God, we just uh, lift our eyes up to you, the creator, in wonder as a heavenly father this morning. I just, uh, I don't know, there's something about fatherhood that's um, pretty powerful to me. And, and sometimes I, uh, on Father's Day, I don't, I don't know what it's like to be a father, you know, for obvious reasons. But um, I just, man, there's something powerful about fatherhood. And so I, as, a, as a someone who someday will be one, I, I just thank you fathers out there for um, doing what you knew to do and doing your best. And uh, so today, I just, I want you guys to be encouraged. Mothers too, because you parent as well. But um, fathers, I just encourage you to um, see God as, as proud of you for a job well done and for stepping up to the call, the, the tough one that not many are willing to do. So um, yeah, thank you fathers for being here today and everybody else. At this point, we're going to move on in our service, and you can, you can greet one another. I, I feel like God told me to say this out loud instead of just think it. But, you know, um, of course, it's Father's Day today, and, you know, we're celebrating our 40th anniversary as a church here in October. And, um, and boy, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing for an independent church to, uh, to be around 40 years after it started. But I think something that's really special here is that, I mean, there's just, there's just something in the atmosphere that you know that it's been passed on to the next generation. I mean, we're, we're going to be a, bit, a lot bigger 40 years from now and a lot better than we are right now. And I mean, that's, to me, that's really phenomenal. And, um, you know, I've, I've lived in this area my whole life, and the thing that makes this area a good place to live is, is this church. And, but, you know, we exist totally because of Pastor Steve. I mean, we... He's invested, him and Trish have invested their whole life here. And, and it's not just their life, but they've invested their family's life. They're, when they invested, their, Steve's mom and dad invested here. And, and uh, I mean, that, that's just worthy of honor. And, and so I don't know how to do this, but man, thanks. I, I just, uh, you're the father of this church. And man, I feel like we owe everything here to you. But thank you. Thanks, 
Steve. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's uh, <laughs> that's quite a quite a word. Thank you, Dave. That's that's amazing. Um, I didn't pay him to t say that. <laughs> he did that on his own. I want to receive the offering at this time. So the ushers, we're going to go back to our old way of doing it. Um, the ushers could help pass out envelopes if you need one. Just if you're giving cash, would like a receipt. Just slip your hand up one of these ushers. We'll give you an envelope. If you get, make it a check, you can make it out to Destiny Church. Destiny Church. Anybody else need an envelope? Well, God's good, isn't he? Amen. Um, at the end, uh, um, we have a surprise for you next Sunday. Um, and so at the end of the service today, we need to stack our chairs because we're going to do some overhauling in the sanctuary here. So when you come in next Sunday, you're going to be like blown away. Blown away. I mean, flames are going to be shooting out of the walls and everything. <laughs> Some of the older people are like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. But anyways, let's pray over our offering. Lord, thank you that we can give and you love us to be cheerful in our giving. And so we just do it cheerfully, Lord. Pray, God, that you bless the giver and the gift that is given. We just thank you for increase, total increase in their lives that they will be abundantly blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Go ahead, men. You can pass the offering buckets. We're so glad you're here today. Of course, it's Father's Day, so I just want to tell all the fathers, happy Father's Day. It's, you are, you're a real blessing. You're real uh, and extremely necessary to your family, and you're extremely necessary to society. And we desperately need you to be active and to, be, uh, to, to take your place. And uh, it's what God, the way God designed it. And actually, my sermon today is based on fathers. We got this huge flag up here. I don't know if you, if you were here last week. I preached a sermon on the flag, and I, I should have moved it over a little bit, but um, it's, most people have never heard a sermon on a flag, but we preached a sermon on the flag. And so I thought some people would be coming here today. What are they going to preach a sermon on now? The chair or, you know, something? But uh, I want to just talk to you about fathers. I titled this me message, Guard This Man. Guard This Man. And, um, and I think this message actually applies to everybody, uh, regardless of who you are. But I'm going to put a twist on it so that it's focused more, more toward fathers and men today. And uh, because it's Father's Day, and, and I'm uh, so proud of the men that come to church uh, and, and uh, bring their families to church. That is, uh, that's awesome. Way to go. That's an amazing thing. And, um, you know, fathers are so important to families. Fathers are so important to families and to society as a whole. And um, you, because if you think about it, I just want to say that again, fathers are so important to families and to society as a whole. And that can't be overstated. I mean, that is really, they are really important key figures. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, this, my comments won't be to push down women or mothers. That's not my goal. But this is Father's Day, so I need to, I need to emphasize their importance to society and to, to families. Um, you know, you think about it, confused men cause most of the problems in our society. Think about that. If you go to prisons, uh, I don't know what the, uh, the ratio is, but it's, it's really lopsided 
in a large way that there's a whole lot more men locked up than women. I mean, to a large, large percentage. And when you look at most of the problems in a society, it's because of confused men. They don't know who they are. They don't have a vision of manhood. They don't know what it is to be a man. And so they act up. And, um, and they cause, like I said, most of the problems. And when children grow up in a fatherless environment, it really causes a lot of problems in a society. It causes tremendous problems. And, uh, and manhood has been under attack for decades in America. I mean, just think about it. Think about TV shows and movies. Do you ever see a man that is like, uh, he's a responsible person, he's, he's uh, educated, he's, you know, uh, really a great guy? I mean, you don't usually see that. I mean, maybe there's some in, uh, cases here and there, but the majority of sitcoms and movies, of course, I don't watch a lot of them nowadays, but I uh, used to in the past, all of them kind of focus that man is, the man is a doofus, the father's a doofus, uh, he's kind of strong, and he'll fight at the drop of the hat, and all he wants to do is eat and have sex, and, and, but other than that, he, he's pretty much uh, a doofus. He doesn't know nothing, he sits around, kind of duh, and his, and his wife, She's sharp and capable, and she'll come to his aid because he's such a doofus and so dysfunctional. I mean, come on. I mean, telling the truth, that's the way it is. And a while back, they started a, you know, a Me Too movement, which, you know, there's a lot of good in, into that to, to, to uh, rid our society of sexual abuse. But in, in, the, in, the, in the process, I heard a lady senator tell men to shut up and sit down. And I thought to myself, no, I just wanted to say, no, you shut up and sit down. I mean, I, mean, I know that I was getting in the flesh there, but I'm just saying uh, that, that's the last thing that we need is for men to, sit, to shut up and sit down. They need to stand up and speak. We need their voice in society. But that, that's just an example of, of what is going on in our society. I mean, think about this. Even furniture is named after an attack on men. Lazy boy. <laughs> I mean, come on. I don't ever see a lazy woman. I don't see a lazy girl furniture. I don't think that would even fly. I mean, I think there'd be violent protests if, if a furniture company called a piece of furniture lazy girl or something. But it's all designed at men, and then, and then it's, it's, it's all like, ha, 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 you know. Right? I mean, it's, it's part of our culture to, to attack men. But I would tell you, men, and especially fathers, because it's Father's Day, uh, impart a sense of identity and value to children. They're absolutely essential in their children's life. And I have to admit that, you know, sometimes a lot of fathers, and, and I, I'm not talking about you here, but a lot of times they, they can be confused and very dysfunctional. And sometimes you want to almost protect your children from them because of that. But they, but they are a very important part of society and of the family because of what they do. They're stabilizing presence in the house. You know, I thought about this one day that when God made man, he took him from the dust of the earth and, create, and created his body. He took him from the dust of the earth. And then he breathed in his nostril, breath of life. When he made woman, he took woman out of man's side. There's a lot of jokes about that. You've probably heard. Um, but um, but my, my point is that it seems like when you think about him being taken from the ground, 
foundations go into grounds. When you build a building, the foundation goes in the ground. And I think that's a picture of what a father was supposed to be. He was supposed to be the foundation, uh, something that hold, that's, that's stable in that home. Uh, a, thing, a person that imparts identity, imparts uh, value and worth to his children. I think that was his role. Now listen to this verse in Malachi chapter 4. It's a really well-known verse when you talk about this, but I just want to talk about, I do have a, a really good message here, but let me just kind of warm my engine up a little bit, and you just kind of warm it up with me a little bit, okay? So Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. It's important to see that he doesn't say, he doesn't talk about mothers here. Now, mothers are very important, and I'm not belittling them at all. I mean, thank God for mothers. I thank God every day for my mother. Someday I'll see her again. She's in heaven. And thank God for mothers. And they're the ones that usually stay with the kids and stay in the home and thank God for them. But this verse specifically says fathers. It doesn't say parents, it says fathers. He said, I, I will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of ch uh, children's to their fathers. And then he says, if this doesn't happen, if this doesn't take place, he said, I'll come, the earth will come under a curse. The earth will be stru struck by a curse. You know, I, and I think sometimes um, that, we are living in the consequences of what it feels like in society to have a curse. I think, we, I think we're living in, the, in what it feels like because, um, you know, I, I was years ago when I first, like in my 20s, I, would, I had to preach on, I didn't have to, but I got to preach on Father's Day. So I would do some research about fathers. And, um, and I started reading all these. These are not Christians. These were so, sociologists who studied trends in society. And, and they would say things. They would say, there is, this, is, this is secular people now. They would say, there is an alarming trend in American society. This is like 40 years ago. That's how old I am. And they would say, there is an alarming trend in American society. They said, and that is fatherlessness. And I don't remember what the percentage was back then. They said, but if this trend gets to this point, I think they said 38%, it could, our society could, the fabric of our society could unravel, it could fall apart. That's what they said. And I'm thinking today, I think it's over that. I think it's like 40% fatherlessness in, in, in homes. That's serious. And, um, and so I think that what we're doing is we're living in the effects of that. You know, years ago, I had this thought. I said, because I don't think you, like, I mean, I don't watch a lot of movies and I don't watch a lot of sitcoms, uh, hardly any, but, but I don't think you see a lot of the happy family. Remember when we grew up, us old, older people? Remember when we grew up, remember Leave it to Beaver? Uh, I can't think of that. That's the only one I could think of right now. Leave it to Beaver. Remember Leave it to Beaver? Wally and what was her name? I can't remember her name. What was her name? Wally? June, that's right, June. I should remember, that's my mom's name. June, I should remember that. But anyways, remember that beaver would come home. The worst thing he did was he spit his gum out at, or he's taught chewing gum at, at school. And, 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 and then so the, the, remember that? Ward, was it Ward? 
so and then and then he come home and you and uh, he had this note and he'd give it to his dad and his dad go what did you do Beaver and uh, you were caught chewing gum at school Beaver I have told you you know <laughs> a, I mean chewing gum at church, at school that's horrible I mean nowadays is who'd you shoot at school today you know it's not quite that bad but I mean it's almost what what buildings did you burn down today at school I mean it, it's 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 so different today. Everybody, all these people are shaking their head. It's not like that. Okay, I got it. But, but, you know, I used to say that, I used to think that they should levy a tax, a special tax against every movie, every play, every literature, every book, every magazine, every TV program that doesn't depict a healthy family. They should have a special tax that they levy against that show so that it would pay for all the things that they're enforcing in our culture. And every, every movie and every sitcom and every show that has a healthy family, they should give them a bonus. Thank you for helping with the cause of, 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 of building up families. So there are countless statistics. Are you guys still with me? Seems like there's a lot of commotion in the building today. I don't know what it is. Is everybody hungry for the steak? They're thinking about the steak. We have a steak for the fathers. But um, uh, there are countless statistics given that warn us about the effects of fatherlessness. There's countless statistics. Everything from gender confusion to violence. Sexual confusion to a lack of education. Suicide to social unrest. Addiction to atheism. They even say that fatherlessness is tied to atheism. I remember I heard that one time. I thought, how does that figure? But they showed that all the, the well-known atheists all had father issues where there was a break in their relationship to their father. There was no emotional attachment. Here's what Time Magazine, an article several years ago, they put it this way. Fatherlessness is linked to every social nightmare. Fatherlessness is, is linked to every social nightmare. That is from boys with guns and girls with babies. It's a, it's a serious issue. I saw recently a panel discussion where some black, this is like two weeks ago where President Trump had this panel discussion with some black leaders. He was at Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas. And I saw one of the black leaders who was a businessman. He had a strong prison ministry. And he said, every prisoner in my class, we're all fatherless. He said that that is the real issue in prisons. It's fatherlessness. You know, we, we are hearing, we're hearing a lot about racism today. And I, I believe that there is racism. I don't believe there's systemic racism, but I believe there is racism. But I'll tell you what's far greater problem in our society than racism and poverty and a lack of education. A far greater problem is fatherlessness. And nobody talks about it. They're starting to now, but they don't. It's not like this is a problem, but it is a problem. It's, it's actually one of the core problems in our culture, fatherlessness. It's the core problem in our, in our culture. It's a root cause. And so what, what is, when you think about that, okay, what is, if that, if that is true, what, what is the reason for fatherlessness? Why is, why is it so many fathers have abandoned their role? Why is that? And I think that it comes down to 
we as men have to deal with ourselves and we have to start making hard choices. Thank you for those two amens. And I think that's true of everybody, but I think it's also true of fathers. I wanted you to turn to a passage of scripture in 1 Kings chapter 20. And this, this passage will, sounds like it has nothing to do with fatherhood, but I, I'm going to work it in and you're going to hopefully see that it does. But in 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 39 through 40, it says, Now as the king passed by, this is the king of Israel, as he passed by, he, that's the prophet, cried out to the king and said, Your servant went out into the midst of the battle, and there was a man came over and brought a man to me and said, Guard this man. That's where I got the title, Guard this man. What was that noise? <laughs> All this stuff is happening. It says, guard this man. That's where I got the title. Guard this man. If by any means he is missing, your life shall be for his life, or else you shall pay a talent of silver. While your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. Then the king of Israel said to him, so shall your judgment be. Yourself have decided it. You yourself have decided it. Now I want you to think about this. So what happened was, this prophet is, is telling this king this story. He goes, he says to the king, he said, I was in, out in the battle. I was out in the battle. And all of a sudden, this guy comes up to me and says, guard this man, guard this. Evidently was a prisoner. Guard this prisoner. And if this prisoner gets away, it'll cost you, we'll hold you accountable with your life if this prisoner gets away. And so then he said, what happened was I was kind of, I was doing this and I was doing that and I was kind of busy and all of a sudden I looked and the prisoner got away. And so the king says, well, your life will be taken for that life of the prisoner, which was a common thing back then. If you were a prison guard and your prisoner escaped, then your life would go for that person's life. It would actually kill you. Isn't that serious? And so this story, this story let me say some things about this story. This story supposedly takes place on the battlefield. Now, how many know that battlefields traditionally are really noisy places? They're really, ever seen Braveheart? I mean, seen some of these old battlefields? I mean, they're very, a lot of commotion, a lot of things going on, arrows flying everywhere. You know, you're fighting with some guy, some guy comes up behind you. I mean, it's, there's all this stuff. It's a lot of commotion, a lot of tension in a battlefield, a lot of danger. It's an intense situation. So this man was given a very important task. He was given the task of guarding this prisoner or guard this man. But the man failed in his responsibility. And what I want you to see is that this man, that he, this man is a picture of you and me. And this man that he was supposed to guard is a picture of what Paul calls the man of the flesh to which the devil uses the flesh to ensnare us. Every single one of us have appetites and passions, desires that we have to contend with. How many know that's true? We have appetites. We have things that we have to contend with. And anyone who doesn't have a strategy for contending with this issue is going to be in trouble. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 20, 26 and 27, he said, listen to these verses. So I do not run uncertainly 
or box like one who hits the air or hits only air. Instead, I subdue my body. Notice what he said. I subdue my body. The old King James says, I put under my body. That means he's talking about the passions, the desires, the lusts, those type of appetites. I put under my body and make it my slave. That's what this story was all about, was about this man that was a prisoner. In a sense, he was a slave. He goes, I make my body my slave. Think about that. I put restrictions on it. I hedge it in. I, I watch over it. I'm very careful about it. I'm not a fool. I, I realize that it could get away from me. My passion is going to get away from me. My desires could start to rule me. My desires could start to draw me away and draw me away from the things of God. So I have to, I have to watch this man. I have to guard this man. Nobody in this room, and men especially, none of us are, are, are without temptation. There's a temptation in our flesh, and our flesh, when it's off the hook, is capable of some pretty not nasty stuff. That's why in the Bible, when it talks about the flesh, it's, the Bible calls, it starts using animal names. I mean, it doesn't do that because it's just name calling, like you, you're poopy face. You know, it's not doing that. When Paul said, I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus, he's talking about people. He's like talking about people that have, haven't guarded this man. They haven't restrained this man. They haven't kept, they didn't have a strategy to keep this man under control. They just let this man go. He got away. And he said, when this man gets away, your life will go for his life. When this man gets away, it will cost you your life because you will do some of the craziest things. You'll do dumb things. You'll do stupid things. And all of us are like that. That's why I always, always say this, and this is not like a real shepherding type comment I'm about to make. But I said, every one of us needs somebody with a wet towel in our lives. So that when the man that we're supposed to guard starts getting away, somebody can walk up to us and slap us across the face with a wet towel and say, get a hold of yourself or get a hold of that man and start bringing him back into line. It's, it's a matter of life or death. Otherwise, what happens is some of the craziest stuff. Have you ever been amazed at how crazy people can be? You know, I, I'm not a real animal lover. I mean, I mean, I don't dislike them, but I don't like, we, we don't have any animals in our house. I'm just saying like that. We had kids. That was enough. No, I'm just, <laughs> that was a joke. It was weak, but it was one. But anyway, so, and I know a lot of you have, you know, cats and dogs and horses and cows in your house. I don't know. I don't get that. But anyways, but, but we had a stray cat that came and somebody in our house started feeding it. So now we have an outside cat. I call him affectionately noodles or spaghetti. That's because he had worms, and that's what was coming out. But that's what I call him. I just believe you ought to call some, name something what it is. You know what I mean? But everybody's out there petting noodles and spaghetti. Oh, he's such a nice cat. You know, everything. One day, one day I looked out, and old Noodles had caught a chipmunk. 
And so Noodles, what Noodles did was, he didn't kill the chipmunk, he, he just wounded it. And then he just kind of watched it, and the chipmunk's wounded, and he's trying to get away from Noodles. You know, it's, it's dragging its back leg, and it's trying to get to a tree so it can climb a tree. And so just when it's about ready to get away, Noodles leaps on it, knocks it off, throws it in the air, knocks it over there, starts gnawing on it again, throws it up in the air, bats it, and the, the chipmunk is dying. It's a, I mean, I'm just looking at this. People talk about people's cruelty to animals. Have you ever watched animals with animals? I mean, come on. I'm just going, I mean, this is bothering me, and I'm not even, you know, I'm glad he's killing the chipmunks, but I'm just, this is bothering me watching this. Have you ever watched... Have you ever watched like some of these shows where, the, how many know what the gazelle, what's, it's not a gazelle, gazelle, gazelle. I, I saw this one show where the, the, these, I think it was lions or tigers or something, they were chasing these gazelle, gazelles. And, and so they caught, this, they caught this one. I, I mean, I can't even, I shouldn't even tell you this story. It's so brutal. Should I tell you it? It's Father's Day. It's, a, it's kind of a guy thing. So come on, ladies, just bite down on a strap and just endure this. Okay, so. So anyways, so they, they get, a couple of these lions get this gazelle down, gazelle down. They start eating its hindquarters while it's still alive. And the thing, the gazelle is looking at the lions. And they're going, I'm thinking, what's going through his head? I mean, he's being eaten and he's still alive. I mean, when you talk about people cruelty to animals, have you ever watched animal cruelty to animals? It's unbelievable. But that's the nature that happens to us when we don't, we don't keep this, guard this man. How many follow what I'm saying? You see, it's important to understand that the man in this story who was supposed to guard this man, he was not like rebellious or defiant. He, he wasn't sleeping or he wasn't lazy or inactive. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Kings, he said the opposite was true. He said, your servant was busy here and there. He goes, you're supposed to watch this man. You're supposed to guard this man. But your servant was busy here and there. I don't know what here and there is, but, but he was doing here and there things. You know, I, he was busy. In other words, he was distracted. And he was doing, doing here and there things. And what happened was the man wandered away. See, I look at this story when I think about that battlefield. I think this, our, our world is like this battlefield. Battlefields, like I said, are very confusing places. Our world is a very confusing place right now. I mean, we can't even depend on science which says, if you're born a man, you are a man. You can't say, I'm a woman. You can't, you can't say that I get to go in the ladies' room. Come on. I know I'm a narrow-minded bigot. I know that. But, I mean, we can't even. It's so confusing. And then now they're trying to pass laws. I, I got to get off this subject. I want to stay on this one here. But now they're trying to pass laws that make it against the law, that if you want to say, I'm a, I'm a woman, that you have to call me that or it's hate speech. Oh, isn't that thrilling? But I, what I'm saying is our world is a very confusing place. And if you're not, and what happens is this man that you're supposed to guard, if you don't watch him, he gets sucked into the culture. And then you get dragged into the culture. And I, I, used to, I preached a sermon one time, captured by the culture. 
And, and our, our young people are, are assaulted by the culture. I mean, I've talked to young Christians who, who, if I make some of these obvious statements about God in the beginning made them male and female. I even saw on a website, I was looking up some of these corona statistics, and it said how many men had died, how many women had died, and then others. And I'm going, others? There are no others. It's just a man. I mean, I just want to go, I want to grab that thing and say, there are no others. It's man or woman. In the beginning, God made them male and female. And a man shall leave his father and mother, shall cleave to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This is a mystery, but I speak of Christ in the church. It is just that way. I see it that way, black and white. But in our culture, it's a very confusing place because they say to say that is hate speech. No, to say that is science. And to have that perspective is one of the things, is one of the stabling forces in our society. And I don't put people down uh, that are struggling with these type of things because they're, they're hurting. I mean, they are a hurting individual. And they don't need me to pile on and make it even harder. But my point is, is that if we don't become really clear and we don't keep a guard, what will happen is we get captured by the culture. Amen? Amen. See, what this, this story also implies is that he said, the king said, you yourself have decided your, your, your verdict. You yourself have decided it. In other words, this talks about personal responsibility. My decisions, my actions have consequences. I can't act a certain way and hope that it doesn't give consequences. It does. My, my actions have consequences in my life. My actions have consequences in my family's life. I told you about this years ago. I'll just mention it real quickly. But years ago, I, I thought about quitting the ministry. I just thought, this, I mean... I just thought, there's another way a guy can make a living than this. This is painful. That's why I was going through one of those painful times. And so I thought about quitting. And God spoke to me one night. Actually, I was in a meeting. And God said to me, if you quit, you will lose your family. And I thought, what? And actually, that was when God showed me generations of little cornamones. And I actually saw, and I, I have seen this, I saw it in a vision first, but I saw it literally. I saw a little cornamone girl raise her, was raising her hands and worshiping. And God showed me, if you, if you quit, that won't happen. And I said, because my choices, listen, my choices have, have an effect. My choice, it matters what I do. It, I'm not an island to myself. What I do and I'm speaking primarily to men, what I do, fathers, what we do, it affects our children. As a, as a father, I am called to be a protector in the home. I'm called to be present. There's four Ps. I'm called to be present. I'm called to be provider, protector, and I'm called to, I'm called to pray. That's why when my kids were little, you know, they used to come up to me and say, you know, if they want to do something, I, I would say, no, I was kind of a, I was kind of like the, the bad news guy, you know. Oh, here he comes. <laughs> My favorite word was no. 
Or, or are you crazy? No. <laughs> that was my favorite word. No, you're not doing that. I mean, they didn't, my boys didn't have cell phones until they were 18. Did they pressure you ahead of time? Oh, yeah. But you know what I said? No. <laughs> not even one chance. Never going to happen. <laughs> but you know what they used to say to me? Guess what they used to say to me? Dad. What, what, what do you think they said? Well, everyone else, they said that too, but they said, don't you trust me? Dad. And they were pretty good kids. I mean, they weren't bad kids. They're pretty good kids. They said, don't you trust me? I said, I trust you as much as it's possible to trust a 16-year-old that has hormones. <laughs> what you're asking is, I don't even trust myself that much. And you're asking me to trust you that much? There is no way in the world that's going to happen. <laughs> Amen. I'm just preaching to myself up here. <laughs> but you have to guard this man. I'm going back to guard this man. <laughs> you guys got the picture of this man? Now, this guy's crazy. I'm telling you, he's crazy. If you don't guard him, if you don't drag this guy to church, he won't go to church. He said, I don't want to go to church. You're going to church. <laughs> They're giving, you, they're giving you a steak tonight. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll come. <laughs> right? You got to, when you get to church, you got to say, listen, guy, listen, guy, you're going to lift your hands and you're going to praise. I don't want to praise. Get your hands up. Do you know what's interesting? Timothy, Paul said, he spoke to men and women. He talked about women in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And then he said, I exhort men. He says men, and the Greek word is men, males. Because sometimes when it says man or men, it means mankind. It means everybody. But in this particular passage, it said, I exhort, therefore, that men pray everywhere. What's the next phrase? Lifting. Thank you, sister, in the front row. Lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Have you ever noticed that it's, it's not that hard for women, but men kind of like, it's got, they've got weights in their hands or something. It's like, and so Paul goes, get your hands up. Right? Some of you men are under conviction right now. But get your hands up. Pray everywhere. He tells the men to get your hands up and pray. He's saying this guy has to learn to worship. This guy has to learn to pray. This guy has to learn to study. This guy has to learn to hear from God. This, this guy has got to be disciplined and trained in the things of God. If this guy is not guarded, this guy will take you to hell. Paul says, I keep under this guy I keep under this guy, lest when I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. If I don't keep under this guy, what will happen is he will cause me to be disqualified. And he, Paul says, I am, that is not going to happen. Amen. I'm preaching better than you're responding. <laughs> Paul, James says, this is not a two, it's kind of a hard sermon, isn't it? Okay. It's okay, right? Are you guys Okay. All right, the squirming stopped. I don't know why that is. It seemed like everybody was squirming before, but now. In James chapter 1, it says, but each one is tempted when he's, this is James 1, 14, each one is tempted when he's drawn away, by, drawn away by his own desires and enticed. When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin is finished, it brings forth death. So notice how he says that every man is tempted when he's drawn away by what? His own, his own desires. That's why this man has to be 
kept in check because he, he will draw us away and he will bring us, the ultimate thing is he'll bring us death. And so you have to guard this man. Amen? I'm almost done here. Uh, let me just give you a few more things here because I think it's important. And so all of us here in this place have to deal with this. Now let me just show you a couple places in the Bible where it's examples of they didn't guard this man, okay? So the first one is found way back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And so it says in verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. To tend and to keep it. Now the word keep it is this same word. It's the same word that's used in 1 Kings where he said, guard this man. It's the same exact word in the Hebrew word. And so here Adam was given a charge. He said, now I'll put you in the garden. I want you to cultivate the garden, but I also want you to guard it. I want you to keep it. I want you to protect it. You say protect it from what? Well, obviously the, the beast of the field, like the snake came into the garden he says, I want you to protect the garden, keep it, protect it. And obviously they didn't do that. They failed to guard the garden. And the result was disastrous. Another place that I want you to look at, just look at one more place. There's quite a few places. But David had this encounter with Bathsheba. How many have heard that story? Look at 2 Samuel chapter 11. We'll just read verses 1 and 2. I think we won't belabor the whole story, but it said, in verse one, it says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israeli army. They destroyed the Ammonans, Amorites and besieged Rabbah. <laughs> Listen to this next phrase. But David remained in Jerusalem but David remained Jerusalem. Notice the first phrase and then that phrase. In the spring at the time when kings go off to war. In other words, where should kings be? At this time, kings should be in war. Kings should be in war at this time. This is where they should be. They should be in war at this time. But then it said, but David remained in Jerusalem. He's not where he should be. He's not guarding this man. He's not Dealing with this man, he's just taking it easy. In fact, when you keep reading, one evening David got up from his bed. Some translations say late afternoon, so he's just kind of chilling. You know, that's what they say, chilling. He's just chilling. I don't even know what that means, chilling. He's just, you know, he's just chilling. He's chilling. And all of a sudden he gets up from his bed and he walks around on the roof of his house or his palace and from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. All of a sudden, in the body bag. It's over. He's supposed to be out fighting. He's supposed to be out fighting, but now he's leisuring in the palace. In the afternoon, he's laying in bed. He gets up, and he's just kind of laying there. He walks out, to the, out the porch. He looks, and he sees this woman. He goes, and all, all of a sudden, the beast is released. He inquires, who is this beautiful woman? Well, it's another man's wife. 
go get her. And he commits adultery with her, has a baby, and then he has her, then he has to cover up his sin. So it all comes to this point where David wasn't where he was supposed to be. How many can see what I'm saying? You know, Jesus, I don't know if you ever heard this this, uh, verse in the Bible where Jesus said, if your hand offends you, what does he say to do? You all know that. I've never seen a lot of Christians with their hand cut off. You go, you know, you walk, what happened to your hand? Uh, It offended me, so I cut it off. Because we know it's not, how many know, we know it's not the hand problem. But what he's saying is that you have to cut off opportunities. If If there's something that you do that causes you to go into sin, you have to cut that opportunity off. If your computer causes you to sin, open the window and throw it outside. You say, well, I don't, I don't know if that seems a little radical. Well, what does cutting off your hand seem to you? Seems rather radical to me, right? But what he's saying is that you have to, you have to chain this guy. You've got to bring this guy into subjection. You, ha- you have to bring this guy. You have to make it your slave. Otherwise, this guy will get away. And you might be a sincere person. You might, be a, you might not be a bad guy. You just might be a busy guy. Well, I'm a busy. I say, why weren't you at church? That's what I say because I'm a pastor. Where were you at church? I was what? I was busy. I was all tied up. And I, I know you're here at church, so you should be complimented. But I'm just saying, I'm using that as an example. We do that because we get distracted or we're busy here and there, and the thing that we're, we're supposed to take care of and we're supposed to watch over, we're supposed to bring into check, gets away from us. And so as I close here, see, let me just say this to you. If I, if I brought you a guy and I, said, and I said to you, see this guy? I want you to take care of this guy. I want you to guard this guy. And you were just like somebody, you know, you just didn't have a jail cell or something. You'd say, what would you say to yourself? You'd say, I got to think of something. Right? I got to come up with a strategy here. I got to come up with some procedures. I got to come up with some specific things to keep this guy in check. Because if I said, guard this guy, guard this guy, and if, you, if this guy gets away, you, you're going to die. If he gets away, you're going to die. Wouldn't, and I said, this is a matter of life and death. You've got to guard this guy. I'm pointing at Jeremy. You've got to guard this guy. If you don't guard him, if he gets away, you're going to die. Your life's going to be for his life. How many know that you start thinking fast? You start going, I've got to come up with a strategy. I've got to figure out a way to hold this guy in check. I've got to figure out a room to put him in. I've got to figure out something to kind of hedge him in, to keep him... Uh, in a safe place. I got to have a strategy. And that's what I'm saying to you. If I came up to you after this service and I said, what is your strategy? And you said, well, I don't have one. You got to have a strategy. That means you got to have habits that you do that will keep this guy in check, that this guy will be guarded. You got to say, I'm going to pray I'm going to pray from 6 to 6.30 in the morning. I'm going to read my Bible and pray from 6 to 6.30. I'm going to go to men's meetings. I'm going to, I'm going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to be involved in the 
church community. I'm going to read a, a, a powerful book that will inspire me and that will challenge me. But I'm going to do something. I'm going to have a strategy to keep this guy in check. How many does that make sense? Because let me say this to you guys. Men, we need you. And I don't see you as, like you say, people say, you know, they talk about, they belittle men or I don't see that. I, I get, I used to laugh at it. Now, now it's, I'm, I'm mad about it. Can you tell I'm mad about it? I'm aggravated about it because of what it's doing to our culture. It's doing to our society. I remember when all these things were being said about men in our society, a lady got on the news and she said, I'm concerned about my little boys growing up in a culture that is so anti-men. You know, we, years ago, we were trying to lift the ladies up, and I think a lot of that, what was done was good. It was very, it was important. But I think we've kind of lopsided it now, we got off, off balance. And we need to start drawing the men out and saying, come on, take your place, take your role. You may not have had a father who spoke into your life, who praised you, gave you a sense of identity, gave you a sense of worth. Maybe you didn't have that, but you have a heavenly father that is painfully, in his scriptures, painfully tells you that you're valuable, that you're worth, you have worth, you have value. And that needs to come in every person's life. If you never had that, you need it very strongly. We all need it. You know, my dad, he's in heaven. He, he died a year ago this month. He's in heaven, but he was one of these old-fashioned type guys who didn't share his feelings. And, uh, and so he, I never, he never told me he loved me. I knew he loved me, but he never told me he loved me. And so one day I thought, well, I'm going to, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sort of like him a little bit, but I, I thought, I'm going to crack this nut, right? I'm going to do this right now. Not that he's a nut, but I'm just going to crack this issue. So I told my dad, I said, Dad, I really love you. And you know what he said to me? Me too. <laughs> and I wanted to say, what, Dad? You love you too or what? I, I want to know what that means. Me too. But after that, it seemed like something broke. And then he was more, he was more open with telling me how much he loved me and how proud he was of me. He just... It's kind of, somehow we turned, a, we turned a spigot on and all of a sudden it just started flowing out of him. He'd tell me how proud he was of me and how, how I was, I think he said fa his favorite, but I think he said that to all the kids. And, and, and so, I mean, it just started flowing out of me. And I'm telling you, it, it does amazing things for a, a soul to be able to hear that from their dad. And so I just encourage you dads, if you're like, you're, you know, like the spigot drips, you know, drips out praise, open it up. And if you're a son and you've never heard that from your dad, you know what, you just, you need to, maybe you need to tell him, dad, I really love you. And see if you can get the spigot to open. It's really important because it creates a sense of, it gives a sense of permanence to a young man. It gives him a sense of identity, a sense of value, a sense of worth to their his children. Let's all stand together. I know I didn't spend a lot of time talking about solutions, 
but I just want to encourage you to have a strategy. You have to think, you have to live like there is danger of losing this one that you're called to, to oversee. That's yourself. You, you're called to oversee that. Oversee him. And, uh, and so there has to be a strategy. I want you to think, let's just close our eyes just for a minute. Lord, we just pray that you give each one of us a strategy. God, how we can guard this man. Guard this man. Like Paul says, keep under my body. Make it my slave. My purpose is not just to guard this man. My purpose is to express Christ in the earth, first to my family and then to others. But Lord, if I don't do something with this man, if I don't keep under this man, I will be disqualified. I don't want any of us, Lord, to be disqualified. I want all of us to qualify on that day, to be used of God, to be a vessel unto honor, sanctified meat for the Lord's purpose, prepared for every good work. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Could you just lift your hand up one time with me? Just, just worship for just a moment. We just worship, Lord. We just worship. We just worship you, Lord, in this place, God. We just thank you, Lord. We just worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. We just worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, God. Hallelujah. We praise your great and awesome name, Lord. Hallelujah. There's no one like you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 You see, when people, what the statistics show is that when a people grow up in a fatherless situation, there's no emotional connection. They end up acting poorly. Acting poorly. And I just feel this really strong that some of us suffer from a, from, a, from a father wound because our father never spoke a sense of destiny, a sense of value, a sense of identity over our lives. So let me just ask you this. I mean, how many can relate to that? Can I see your hand? How many can relate to that? Let me just speak this over your life. I just felt like God spoke that to me right now. Lord, I just speak over your people. Lord, you love your people so much. And I just speak identity that you are a son of God. The fact that you're in church today, the fact that you are a child of God, you chose, but the heavenly father drew you. The heavenly father put a bullseye on your life and he pursued you and pursued you and pursued you. Sometimes for years, he wouldn't give up. He pursued you, and finally he brought you 
to himself. Finally, you surrender. But you're a proof that God loves you. God passionately loves you. And he values your life. He values you. And you are loved and accepted by him. And you are a man and a woman of great value in the eyes of God. You are important to God and you are important to us. And I want you to know that God is extremely proud of you. Even the fact that you came to church today, God is extremely proud of you. And I just speak favor over your life right now. I just speak favor over your life. Lay your hand on somebody next to you. Just lay your hand, just say, I speak favor. Just go ahead and say, I speak favor over your life. I just speak favor over your life right now. I declare favor, God's favor, God's goodness, God's favor, God's ability, God's strength over your life right now. That you rise up to be the man of God and the woman of God that you're called to be. I speak favor right now in Jesus' name. And all the confusion that's in your life right now, all the frustration, all the confusion and all the frustration that's in your life right now, I just speak to that storm right now. Command it to go from you. Command you to be free in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. His loving kindness, which is better than life, will come over your life in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just sing this song together.
opportunity to be prayed for. So if the prayer counselors could please come forward. As they're coming, I, I want us to pray. You know, Linda's our administrator, our secretary. She's a lot of things. Um, she she is actually at home today. She's got um, vertigo. What do they call that? She's dizzy. Vertigo. And so something with her inner ear. And so I, I think we just pray for her together. Could we do that? Just uh, agree with me right now. Lord, we just lift up Linda to you right now. We just thank you for this amazing woman of God, this spiritual woman. We're so thankful for this gift that you've given to this church, Lord. We just thank you so much for her. And Father, we just pray for her right now. We pray against this vertigo, whatever it is, Lord, whatever's causing this inner ear thing. In Jesus' name, we just declare healing over her life right now in Jesus' name command this sickness to go from her right now. We declare that Linda Wellman's healed in Jesus' name, that she's well, that you raise her up, Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, we thank you. So if you need prayer, we got some prayer counselors here as soon as I dismiss. And if you're a, if you're a, a father here today, our state, we have stakes. They're in the kitchen area. So that means when you go out the doors, you just go down the hallway about halfway, and then to the left, there's a kitchen area. And they'll be in there. Please, if you're a father, grab one. It's a New York strip, one pound steak. And if you want to, as soon as all the men get one, make sure we have enough. Um, if, if, you're a, if you'd like to buy some, I think they're $10 a piece. If you'd like to buy one, bring home to your wife or bring home for your family. But A, thank you, men. You're awesome. You listened well. You absorb the full impact of that message. I admire you. And I'm, I'm listen, the more I study scripture, the more I look at what society says, thank God for you men. Thank God for you fathers. You are so important. And we honor you today and thank God for you. But I want to just bless you today. Uh, you're free to go. Have a great week. If you do need prayer, please come forward. Let someone pray for you. God bless you all. You're free to go. Have a great Father's Day.